We're talking to Phil Kirpin with American Commitment and uh, talking about the FCC, but at least for once, not directly talking about radio or television, Phil. But uh, but the point is that uh, the Federal Communications Commission really does need to um, try to keep their hands off a little bit more, at least according to an op-ed you wrote. Yeah, it's pretty incredible uh, how... Democrats at regulatory agencies seem to be impervious to facts and impervious to reality when it comes to deregulation. Uh, their ideological agenda trumps everything else. And so uh, we've had, you probably remember uh, when the Trump FCC said they were going to repeal Obama's net neutrality order, um, which really wasn't even about net neutrality. It was more of a public utility regulation of the Internet order. But uh, the media and the Democrats act like this would be like the literal end of the universe. They said there'd be mass deaths, bodies piling up in the streets. The Internet won't work anymore. People won't be able to get suicide prevention resources. Everything to load one word at a time. They were, they were talking about sort of this catastrophic meltdown type scenario. And, of course, uh, not only did that not happen at all, zero negative consequences happened. What did happen was exactly what you would want in a deregulation, which is to say private investment went up pretty sharply, uh, speeds on average approximately tripled, and prices actually went, went down for a few years. They're, they're a little bit up now, but still much less than inflation. And so, you know, a logical person would say, huh, I guess I was wrong about all of the uh, headlines about the end of the Internet. This deregulation was successful. Let's leave it alone. But the Democrats, when they control regulatory agencies, don't behave uh, in a rational fashion. And so they've got three Democrats on the FCC that have voted to bring back uh, Obama's mangled form of net neutrality. And they've actually gone a step further. They've got a companion item because the left is no longer satisfied with economic regulation of everything. They've also got a companion order for equity regulation of the Internet and uh, any business practice that has a disparate impact on race, sex, class, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the whole laundry list of protected statuses, uh, they can crack down on that as well. And so uh, we are seeing the most pervasive attempt yet uh, to get sort of regulatory control over the Internet from the uh, Biden FCC. Well, Maybe I mean all I all I did was take eighth grade civics, Phil. But there seems to me to be some serious First Amendment concerns with some of that stuff. Regard to leave everything else aside. You know, it's interesting uh, because there was a First Amendment challenge to the uh, Obama regulations, and the the challenge actually failed in the D.C. Circuit. And the reason it failed, what the D.C. Circuit said was they said, well, uh, if an Internet service chose to block certain websites or redirect traffic or have a family-friendly service tier uh, that blocks adult content or whatever it is, they would no longer be a broadband Internet service under the definition of the regulation, and so the regulation wouldn't apply to them. Uh, but if that's true, then what, what, what's the regulation for, right? I mean, if that's true, it's not a net neutrality regulation at all because you could have blocking and throttling and redirecting traffic, all the things that supposedly they want to prevent would be totally fine. Uh, in fact, would be a way to get out from under the regulation. And so um, I, I don't know if the First Amendment argument would succeed. It did fail last time. But I'll tell you what I really worry about in terms of First Amendment on this. It's not that they're going to use their regulatory power to directly censor and block speech that they don't like. I don't think the FCC would do that. But I think that what this does is it gives them a regulatory handle, a, a sort of club in their hands so that they can informally...
pressure companies to block content they don't like, and then say, oh, it was voluntary. Except what company is going to say no to its regulator when they could refuse to approve their uh, their rates, or they could approve to refuse to approve their business plan, or they could crack down on them for you know supposed inequitable practices or whatever it is. So I actually agree with you. I think that the real agenda, the real reason they want economic and equity control over these companies is so that they can exert content control and silence critics and sort of be even more aggressive in terms of the things we saw during COVID and they want to go after climate disinformation, all this kind of stuff. But I think it's, uh, it's particularly insidious the way they want to do it because I don't think they would ever adopt a regulation that prohibits certain content or anything like that because, of course, that would lose in court on First Amendment grounds. But I think when you have economic control over companies, you can make suggestions to them and then they can, quote, unquote, voluntarily do things. And uh, that's a big danger, I think, once we go down this path. Well, but the easiest thing, and since uh, your since your op-ed touched on Wi-Fi, I will bring this back up, is that um, some of the fastest internet and Wi-Fi in the part of the country I live in, in, um, well, semi-rural Kansas, is uh, 5G and things that are uh, wireless spectrum type stuff. So they don't necessarily have to, as I follow this logical argument along, Phil, they don't necessarily have to uh, go straight at this. They can just simply... um, control spectrum in much of the way that they do or did back in the early days, television and radio spectrum. Now we're talking about Wi-Fi spectrum. Um, and and through being able to say, hey, unless you play ball with us content-wise, uh, the next time you guys want additional spectrum to allow for speeds in rural areas, uh, we might just say no. That that seems like the, the stick that would go with the carrot. Uh, that's part of it, but it's not just, it's not just spectrum policy. It's also subsidies. Remember, there's $65 billion of broadband subsidies from the so-called bipartisan infrastructure law, and uh, that can be wielded in an extremely political way. And, uh, you know, we, we recently saw a pretty incredible example of this. The FCC has a program they call, call RDOF, where they subsidize uh, rural broadband, and they had already approved Starlink as one of the providers, SpaceX, Elon Musk's satellite internet company, as one of the providers, and they'd approved about $900 million dollars. Uh, were the subsidies for Starlink for remote locations, uh, you know, places where the, you know, you're not going to string up any wires, you might not even be close enough to cell towers to do that kind of service. Uh, they repealed that. They revoked it. They took the $900 million back. And as far as I can tell, they did it because they don't like Elon Musk's politics, because the same locations that were going to be served with $1,000 per location subsidies with Starlink are now going to be served with $5,000 subs per, per location subsidies from other providers. So we're going to spend five times more in order to enact essentially a political agenda. And, you know, I think once you start going down the path of saying instead of having a private market-based approach where private companies are going to compete for people's business, we're going to have heavy regulation, government subsidies, government control, uh, you're always going to have politicization. That goes with the territory when it's political appointees that are making these decisions. Well, so, uh, I mean, obviously, the less regulation, the the more it seems like it has worked so far. But when we start to see content challenges uh, that, uh, that go before the Supreme Court and so on, the FCC then says, hey, wait a second, can we do something uh, regulation-wise? Um, and and so this this is where uh, that, that gray area starts to come in where it's uh, – you have to – be willing to trust people to, uh, to act in their own best interest, don't you? 
Um, you know, I'd love to go back into a free market direction. Uh, as you were saying, it worked for a very long time, extremely well in this country. It's one of the reasons that Internet in this country worked so much better during the lockdowns than it did in Europe. I remember there was a 30 or 40 percent increase in demand overnight when tons of uh, activities moved online. You know, we might have had a hiccup here and there where you had a call drop or something, but by and large, we handled, uh, you know, a network in the U.S. handled it absolutely fine. In Europe, you had desperate regulators uh, calling YouTube, calling Netflix, telling them to down resolution, throttle their streams because the networks were going to break. And so the regulated monopoly-type model does not work as well as a competitive free market model. And to your point about where this is going in terms of, you know, government employees uh, and, and uh, you know, using their regulatory and uh, their influential powers to censor opponents of the regime and speech they don't like. We've got a case before the Supreme Court. They heard or- oral argument just a couple of weeks ago in Missouri versus Biden uh, that gets at exactly this issue in the context of what went on with, uh, you know, so-called COVID disinformation and election disinformation, where you had government employees telling internet companies, uh, you know, hey, you should voluntarily block these tweets or these YouTube videos, and the tech companies all went along with it. Well, does that become legal under our Constitution because they didn't order them to? They just sort of suggested it? Uh, or is that a First Amendment violation? I don't know where the Supreme Court's going to come down on that, but either way, I would love to see legislation like the bill that Jim Jordan introduced to actually have individual personal accountability for government employees who engage in such conduct, because at a minimum they should lose their jobs, they should be fined. I think there should be criminal sanctions as well. Uh, We cannot allow government employees to use private companies to suppress dissent in a way that they could not under the Constitution do themselves directly. And I do really worry that in a world where government employees are allowed to do that, the more economic regulation an agency like the FCC has, the more economic control they have, the more they're going to be able to exert that kind of influence over content as well. And I think that must be their agenda because they can't honestly think that the Internet will fail without this regulation when we now have seven years of experience showing they were totally wrong about that. Well, Phil, I've got to tell you, it just feels like that uh, maybe uh, the best solution to this is um, is – the election that we have going on in 2024 and uh, having the opportunity at least to get some different regulators in place. Um, but that's, uh, but, but maybe I'm looking too far down the road. Well, it'll be interesting to see if the media and the Democrats go insane again and say we're all going to die again if a Trump FCC repeals this again. <laughs> or if they're chastened a little bit by how wildly wrong they were last time, and maybe they're less vocal and kind of let it let it go with a whimper this time. Uh, that will be interesting to see. But I think it's a huge problem if massively expensive multi you know, tens and hundreds of billions of dollars regulations can flip on and off with the uh, presidency. Uh, you know, it's not a good environment for business to have that kind of thing happen. And, you know, we've been talking about one agency, but similar things are happening at a lot of federal agencies. So I hope uh, that we'll have a reduction in regulatory power across the board. And there's another Supreme Court case that was just heard last week that could speak to that issue and rein in some of the regulatory power by overturning what's called the Chevron Doctrine. But ultimately, what we really need is a Congress to step up and take control over the regulatory agency, take responsibility for doing its own job and stop passing laws that give the agencies, you know, the, the leeway to attempt all these things. In other words, Congress should write law more specifically. Is that what you're saying? 
much more specifically, and I'm also a big fan of a uh, proposed law called the RAINS Act. It would require any new regulation that has a major economic effect to go back to Congress for an approval vote before it would take effect, because that way, any really dumb regulation that passed, at least you could look up how your member voted and hold them accountable come election time instead of it all riding on the presidential election.